Well, good morning, Emmanuel. How are you feeling today? You excited to be here? Man, I hope, I hope that you are fired up today. Uh, my intention today is to intentionally, well, I just said that. I, I, I intentionally am going to try to fire you up today. That's just my goal. It's what I want to do today. We're starting a brand new series called At the Movies. And I want to begin with, with a quote that I love from Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison said this. He said, many of life's failures are people who did not realize just how close they were to success when they gave up. I love this quote because it, bo- it is both a warning to my life, to your life, and it's an inspiration. It, it's a warning against giving up because if I give up, if I just throw the towel in now, I may never see the success that God wants to bring about in my life. And so there's a warning there, but there's also lots of hope that says, you know what, if you keep going, if you keep putting one foot in front of the other, guess what? Um, Success is not that far away. In fact, it may be just around the corner. Many of life's failures are people who gave up right before they reached success. We're starting a brand new series today called At the Movies. Now, any movie buffs out there love to go see a good movie? Yeah, yeah, some good movies out there, right? Anybody seen Wonder Woman? Anybody? Haven't seen it yet. Heard it was okay. Um, There's a new movie coming out called Dunkirk. It's about World War II. I'm excited about that. Haven't seen that. I don't think it's out yet. But uh, yes, movies are great. Movies are powerful. Movies can make you you laugh. You know, anybody seen Dumb and Dumber? Anybody? Anyone? There's a lot of funny movies out there. Tommy Boy. Movies can inspire you, you know, if you've, if you've ever seen, you know, Saving Private Ryan or something like that. Movies can move you and, 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 and motivate you. Movies can shape you. There's a shaping effect there. Movies can instruct you, give you different perspective in life. Uh, movies are a powerful form of media. They really have an impact on our life. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the movies or series of movies that has been soul-shaping for me is Rocky Balboa. If you haven't figured out yet that that's what we're going to be talking about today. Very, very soul-shaping movie in my life. You know, if you haven't seen Rocky, you haven't really lived yet. Now, there's some of you millennials out there. You haven't gone back and watched Rocky yet. We're going to do, you know what we're going to do every, soon? We're going to do something called M&M's. Movies for Millennials. We're going to do that coming up here shortly. New program we have at the church. Just kidding. Just kidding. But some, some of you younger kids, you've never seen some of the really good, really good movies. Uh, like Back to the Future. You know what I'm talking about? Let's talk about some real movies. Anyway. Um, so, so if you haven't seen Rocky, basically it's about this character who has to overcome these huge obstacles. Uh, basically people. Some of them are Apollo Creed. If you remember Rocky 1 and 2, remember this guy? Just ferocious puncher, right? In shape. You know, this incredible guy. And Rocky has to fight him in the first movie, and then he beats him in the second movie. Then there's Mr. T. This guy, this guy, his name in the movie was Clubber Lang. Remember, remember, remember Rocky 3? I mean, he just is just mean and nasty, and his punches look like they could just crush your face, you know? And, and sure enough, he did. I mean, look at him. This is so, Rocky looks scared, doesn't he? He's just like, Ugh, you know? And then in Rocky IV, uh, he faces the Russian, and this was really a David and Goliath. Remember how big that dude was? Talk about a great movie. Anybody remember the Russian? Wow. One of my favorite training sessions, in each movie there's a training session or a couple of training sessions, is when he's training in, uh, in the Russia to fight the Russian. What a great scene that was. <clears throat> anyway, and also in Rocky IV, do you remember who else he fought in Rocky IV? I think it's in Rocky IV. Uh, remember uh, Hulk Hogan? <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? Do you remember in the movie and what, what they called Hulk Hogan? 
Thunderlips. What a great name. And he, Rocky puts him over his head and throws him into the crowd. You talk about a great movie. Wow, that's quality entertainment right there. And, and if you haven't seen the movies, Rocky, he's the underdog, and he's, he's against all odds, he's able to beat Apollo, he's able to beat Mr. T, and then he's able to beat the Russian, and, and then I stopped watching them after, like, the fourth one. Anybody? Fifth one, sixth one, seventh, I don't know how many there are, but um, it's just this great story of overcoming. And these movies, these movies played a, a very important role in my life because growing up, I was the youngest of three brothers. Any youngest siblings out there? And so if you, you can resonate with me on this because uh, my brothers were not just older than me, but they were just a little bit older than me. Like I'm 39, my brother's 40, and my other brother's 41. So they're just really close, and they're just close enough to be just a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger, but not so big and so strong that I didn't want to engage them. You know what I'm talking about? So they were kind of like best friends. And so uh, we were kind of like best friends. But growing up, every single day there seemed to be some sort of challenge, some sort of game, some sort of wrestling match, some sort of competition, and, or just plain out fight of some sort. And it seemed like my whole childhood was being the underdog, trying to beat these older, stronger, quicker people in my life. So when I watched Rocky, man, I was like, mm, this is my guy. Because that's my life I'm living. And, and after I would watch a, a Rocky 1 or Rocky 2 or Rocky 3 or whatever one it was, I would like want to pick a fight with my older brothers, you know, because it was like they were the Russian. They were Mr. T, you know, and I just felt like if Rocky could beat him, then I could beat him. And I just drew all kinds of inspiration from anybody else live in this world, this fantasy world. <laughs> But it was so important in my life. It taught me determination. It taught me focus. It taught me courage. It taught me to, to never give up. I remember uh, one time, this, is kind of, this story kind of captures my childhood. We went out to play football one day, me and my brothers. I can't remember how old we were, maybe in middle school or something like that. And uh, we couldn't find any other boys to play with in the neighborhood. So they came up with this game. They said, Danny, you go stand over there. We had this little grassy field. They said, you go stand over there. We'll kick the ball off to you, and then you try to get past us and score a touchdown. And I thought, man, that's a great game because you always want the ball, right? You want to be the running back. And so I'm being naive. And so we start playing this game, and I'm like, okay, that hurt. You know, first couple of tackles, and I get tackled again, and I realized this is two against one, <laughs> and you guys are stronger and faster, and we did that for like an hour and a half. It was torture, but that was my childhood right there. I never gave up. Rocky played a huge role in my life because he taught me how to just keep getting back up and keep pushing forward in my life. I think all of us relate to Rocky in that sense because his story is basically our story in some fashion. Isn't, isn't it true? In your notes there, I wrote it this way. All of us experience problems in life. All of us have a Mr. T or a, or, or a Russian in our life. Not that there's, I don't have anything against Russians, but I forget the dude's name. But uh, <clears throat> all of us have some, some type of problem that seems like we cannot overcome it or, or, or win the battle. And we relate to a character that just continues to grind and push and, and somehow against all odds is able to overcome because we draw inspiration from that. And we, we literally feel like if he can do it, maybe so can I. How was it that Rocky was able to continue to get back up every single time after he got knocked down? Here's in your notes there. Rocky had this quality called perseverance. This, this character quality called perseverance. And all perseverance is is just the ability to get back up after you get knocked down again and again. If you saw Rocky VI, which I have to admit I haven't seen the whole movie, but there's a great speech that Rocky gives to his son. Have you seen it? 
If you haven't, go to YouTube. You can watch it. It's four minutes long. I just want to read a couple of short passages from the speech. I'm not going to say it like Rocky because nobody could say it like Rocky. You know what I'm saying? But here's what he said to his son. He said, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. Have you heard this? This is great. It's, very, it's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are, it'll beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep on moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving, moving forward. That's how winning is done. You remember that? I love that speech. That's how winning is done. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That captures Rocky's character and it captures everything that happens in the movies. He had this quality called perseverance. You know why this is such an important message for us today? Because you are going to face problems and difficulties. Now, in the future, you have in the past and you're, it's, gonna, it's part of life. And the temptation is, if we don't heed this message, the temptation is to give up. The temptation is to get knocked down and get so discouraged and so depressed and so low that we just take the towel, the proverbial towel that the, that the coach of every fighter, and when he sees his guy getting beat up and he can't make it and, and it's becoming dangerous, that, that, that he throws in the towel. And that may be okay in, in a situation where there's a boxing match, boxing match going on, but it's not okay when it comes to life to stay down and to stay discouraged and to give up and to resort to an existence where you're just consistently drunk or consistently high or popping pills or checking out or, or gambling or, or just trying to cope with life. That's a form of giving up. Do you agree with this, yes or no? And many people just decide to give up altogether and commit suicide. In fact, in this country, every 12 and a half minutes, somebody kills themselves. By the time I'm done with this talk, two people have committed suicide in the United States. 43,000 people every single year. When you count up the years lost, every single year of life, it's 1.6 million years lost because of people committing suicide. And I know there's a lot of mental illness out there and discouragement that, that triggers that kind of stuff. But people are giving up. The temptation is when you, when you hit, get hit and you get knocked down because of a, a job loss or because of a, a marriage that, that, that breaks apart and someone's unfaithful or, or some type of sickness comes or, or just, just tension at work or whatever, problems with your children or rebellious child of some sort. The temptation is just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just done. I'm done with the whole thing. And that's why today's message is so important. Because if you don't have this character quality of perseverance, you're not going to get back up and keep pushing on with your life. I believe that's why we love the great stories of the Bible, like the story of David and Goliath. I, we love that story because it's the story of Rocky. It's the story of a kid who overcame tremendous odds. By the way, he was a teenager, and he cut off Goliath's head. That's why we love the story of Moses. Against all odds, he's able to, to deliver the children of Israel out of bondage of slavery from the Egyptians and overcome Pharaoh in the ten plagues. We love that story. Somehow, against all odds, with God's help and God's power, Moses overcomes. That's why we love the story of Joseph. And he overcomes his brother's anger, his, uh, their anger and their jealousy. And he, he rises up to the second in power in Egypt and, and, and has enough wisdom that comes from God to, to deliver millions of people from certain death, from famine. 
That's why we love the story of Esther who goes in before the king and she takes her life into her own hands and she risks her life and she overcomes Haman and, and the certain genocide of all of her people. We love these stories because they're stories we draw hope from and inspiration and perseverance. The temptation in life is real to give up and we can't let that happen in our lives. We have to continue to keep going. Here's the message I want you to hear today in your notes. The problems of life don't have to knock you out. They might knock you down, and they will. But they don't have to knock you out to where you're staying down. There's a certain type of person that can keep getting back up. Rocky was that person. You can become that person. I can become that person. That when we get knocked down by the news, the situation, the difficulty, the job loss, the sickness, the, the death of a loved one, or the situation not working out the way you thought, or you, whatever, the thing, whatever the news is, there's a, there's a way to become the type of person who bounces back and gets back up. How do we, how do, we do that? That's what I want to talk to you about today. Four, four, four ideas I want to give you today. How do we become the person who can get back up? Number one, we've got to take responsibility for our life. We've got to take responsibility for our life. What do I mean by this? You have to own the deal. you got to own your life. Have you ever noticed that it's so natural and it's so easy to play the victim and to point fingers? You say, why are you down there? Why are you so discouraged? Why are you so depressed? Why are you, all, why are you so, so, so gloomy? Well, the story is he and she and the boss and the guy and the, and the, and the, and the president and the government and the weather and the <laughs> stock market and I mean, that's the story in my house. I'm raising three, my Jackie and I are raising three kids. It's always a song and dance. Well, why did that? Well, she hit me first. And he did that. And she started it. And he did this. That's, how about, is that the story in your house? Why is it so natural to blame shift and to play the victim role? Well, actually, I'm just a victim here. It's because of who your ancestors are. Adam and Eve. They started this whole deal. Anybody read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3? Great story. First story in the Bible. God creates Adam and Eve. He gives them one rule. Wouldn't that be awesome to have one rule? Right? He says, don't eat from that tree over there. Don't eat from that fruit. You can do whatever you want. You're naked. Here, you know, have lots of babies. Run around the whole place. The whole joint's yours. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> With one rule. Go make a lot of babies, populate the earth, and name the animals, and have, have a blast. And they had one rule, and they broke it. So when they break it, God pursues them and strikes up a conversation and says, Hey, Adam, you know, because um, they were hiding. They heard God, and they decided to hide. And this was awkward behavior because they, had never, they didn't have to hide from God. But now because they broke his laws, they were embarrassed. So they're hiding, and God says to Adam, uh, Who told you you were naked? Because they, they started sewing some fig leaves together to cover up their nakedness because of shame. God says, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree? And Adam, because he's a godly man, and he was a responsible man, he said, God, it was me, O oh Lord. I broke your laws. I'm responsible 100%. Don't even look at Eve. She's innocent. Just blame me because I'm the one who ate the fruit. Wouldn't it have been awesome if Adam just owned it? Just took responsibility right there. Instead of doing that, if you know the story, this is what he says in Genesis chapter 3. The man replied to God, his inquiry, it was the woman. (laughs) And we're still doing that today, aren't we, guys? (laughs) It was this blasted woman you gave me. 
And it wasn't just the woman, it was the woman that, watch this, he takes it a step further. The woman that you gave me. God, if you really want to know whose fault this is, it's yours and it's Eve's. So if you want to figure out the deal, you guys need to get together and talk amongst yourselves, own it, and then I will forgive you for messing me up. Isn't that what he says? It's amazing how, how fun and easy it is to point and say she and he. So God, God then turns to the woman and, and she just follows the leadership of her husband. Bad leadership. And she says, the devil made me do it. There you go. That's a lot better. The serpent. <laughs> He's the one that came and slithered in and showed me this fruit. Looks like it's good for knowledge and all kinds of fun stuff. And, and I was deceived and I ate it. Blame shifting. Now, here's the, here's the danger in, in passing the buck or pointing the finger. The danger is that when you come up with an excuse like that, when you shift the blame, you're, you're, you're sealing your future. You're nailing, you're nailing yourself in, into the coffin. Because now you have a reason to stay down. See, the reason I'm down is because of X, Y, and Z, him and her, and blah, blah, blah. And as long as you continue to tell that story, you have a reason an excuse to stay low and to stay down and not get back up after the situation occurred. You have your reasons. And the crazy part about this is that some of it's true. In fact, a good portion of of it's true. Who, Who gave Adam the woman? God did. Who was the one who was deceived first? It was Eve. So the crazy part about blame shifting and pointing the finger is that you might even have a point. You might even have a story to tell. Oh, I understand. Oh, so that's why you're down. But what we do is we forget the rest of the story. Our responsibility to deal with what happened. And that's what God holds us responsible for. Does that make sense? And when Rocky was given his speech to his son, I cut it short because I wanted to save it, the rest of the speech for this point. Rocky continues. He says, that's how winning is done. And then he says, if you know what you're worth, go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and keep moving forward. you got to stop pointing fingers, fingers saying, you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that, and that ain't you. You're better than that. Cowards do that, and that ain't you. You're better than that. See, everybody can pull out some excuses of why they're down. I can, and you can, and everybody can. But that's the easy way out. And you're sealing your fate if you continue to point fingers about why you're down and why you're currently in the situation that you're in. Eric Greitens, in his book, Resilience, which is a fantastic book on practical wisdom and how to just push through in life, He writes this about resilience. He says, the first step to building resilience is to take responsibility for who you are and for your life. I love this point. You are not responsible, watch what he says, you are not responsible for everything that happens to you. There's things that are going to happen that you didn't cause. You're not responsible for everything. However, watch this, you are responsible for how you deal with what happens to you. And that's the part we like to leave out. Well, what are you going to do about that? Well, I don't know. What am I supposed to do? I'm a victim. No, 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 you have some choices to make. You have some attitudes. You have a mindset that you have to, you're in charge of. You're in charge of how to process what happened to you. And then you're in charge of your next actions that you take on how to get out of the situation that you're in. You want to become the type of person who gets back up after you get knocked down. You have to own the situation. Amen? Yes? 
I'm trying to inspire you here. You inspired yet? This is tough stuff. Number two, get a coach. There's no way Rocky defeats Apollo or Clubber Lang or the Russian or whoever it is without a group of people around him. I don't want to spend too much time on this because we talk about it all the time. But no one builds resilience by themselves. You with me? Somebody say amen. No one builds resilience by themselves. It's always a collective effort. The Bible teaches that two are better than one because they have a better return for their labor. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verse 9. In verse 10, the author says this. If either of them falls down, one can say with me, help the other up. You have to have a group of people around you that love you, that support you, a coach, a counselor, a small group. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them. When you're all alone, when you don't have tight friendships, when you're not in a small group, when you're not connected to your church, and you fall down, and there's no one to watch the kids, and there's no one to make meals, and there's no one to send you an encouraging text, and there's no one to call and, and just stop by and say, hey, how are you doing? Can I help you? And pity the person who falls down, gets knocked down by life, and doesn't have a tight-knit group of people. You will never build resilience by yourself. Some of you think you will. Oh, I can go at it by myself. I don't need to be in a small group. I don't need a counselor. I don't need close friends. Are you crazy? You are crazy. You might be okay right now, but the next time life throws a blow at you and you're down, pity the person who gets knocked down and doesn't have a tight-knit group of people around them. Get connected. We talk about that all the time at this church. Get connected to a group of people. You can go further, faster, inside the context of a group. Number, and that's true in Rocky's life. Let's look at number three. Number three, put in the work. I love this part. Put in the work. This is where it gets real inspirational. Very, very exciting. Rocky's coach said to him one time, I love this quote. He said, Mickey, remember Rocky's coach Mickey? For a 45-minute fight, you got to train hard for 45,000 minutes. That's 10 weeks, 10 hours a day. Are you listening? And then he said some other things I can't say in church. I love it. I love the intensity. And, and Rocky, when he first starts, he doesn't quite understand the work that needs to be put in to get into the shape that, so that he can have a chance to beat Apollo, so he can have a chance to beat Clover Lang. And, but then he starts to understand it because he's got a, he's got a coach who's saying, if you want to beat this guy, here's what it's going to take. You're going to have to put in the work. Now, it would be spiritual malpractice for me not to show you a training clip from one of the Rockies. So I hope you'll get it. You're, you're ready to get inspired. You ready to get inspired? This is a training clip from Rocky too. Check this out. Bam, 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 bam. Watch this right here. Woo! You excited about that? Anybody fired up? <laughs> I have to admit as a kid, I've jumped over many benches after watching that video. I mean, I'm so, it's so inspiring to me. Rocky knew if he was going to have a chance to beat these guys, he had to be in tip-top shape. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about getting into physical shape, although I do believe when you take care of your body and you exercise your body, you are much more resilient to the emotional uh, breakdowns and difficulties of life. But I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about working out your soul. Making sure that the inner person, your, the inner parts of who you are, your mind, your will, your emotions, your appetites, and your desires, making sure that those things are in shape. When those things are in shape on the inside, and then something happens to you, like, I don't know, some, some sort of difficulty, some sort of challenge or pain or uh, a, a relationship issue or something comes up at work, you are much more resilient. You're able to interpret and understand those difficulties through the lens that God would give you, and you're able to bounce back and get back up. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. It says, good planning and, say it with me, 
hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. The Bible teaches without a shadow of a doubt, if you put the work in, you will prosper. So you always hear me talking about spending time alone with God reading the scriptures, meditating on, the, on certain passages of the Bible, spending time in silence, spending time in solitude. Anybody hear me talk about this stuff? Why do I talk about that and beat that like a drum all the time? What I'm really talking about is training your soul, getting your soul in shape so that when difficulties come, you can get back up when you get knocked down. Does that make sense? Somebody say amen. Fun? Let me give you this last one. This is kind of fun. This last one. Be obsessed. You got to be a little crazy, okay? Rocky was a little nuts. Do you agree? He was a little bit obsessed. He was a little bit over the top. I'm a fan of being in balance sometimes. Not all the time, but I'm a fan of being in balance sometimes because you have to sort of be obsessed if you want to reach your goal. You have to kind of be over the top sometimes if you want to be able to get back up and make, and, and make advances and make progress in your life. There's no doubt about it. I'm talking about a mindset. I'm talking about the mindset that says, I will not be stopped, Okay. I'm, I'm talking about the mindset that says, I will climb any mountain, I will cross any sea, I will do whatever it takes to achieve my goal. That's, that's a little bit kooky, it's a little bit wacky, it's, it's called being obsessed. Do you know that today we're sitting here today because of some obsessed people? You and I would not be sitting here, I wouldn't be standing here today without the obsession of a few people. Now if you're thinking of Jesus, you're right. He was utterly obsessed with what God put before him, the cross. He was focused, he was determined, he would not be stopped, and he went all the way to the cross, being nailed to the cross, three days later rising again so you and I could have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. Anybody excited about that? Right? He was utterly obsessed, would not be stopped, right? But I'm not talking about Jesus, although it's true. I'm talking about another guy named Paul. The Apostle Paul was the guy in the Bible, wrote 14 letters of the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Philemon, Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians. You know who the author of all those books are in the New Testament? The Apostle Paul. He was absolutely obsessed with taking the message of grace and forgiveness to the entire world. He could not be stopped. They tried to stop him. One time he wrote a little passage about how many times they tried to stop him. Let me read it to you really quick in your notes there and on the screens. He says, I worked harder, been put in prison more often. Well, who put him in prison? The people who were trying to stop him. I've been whipped times without number by who? People who were trying to stop him. I faced death again and again, he continues. Five different times the Jewish leaders who were trying to stop him gave him 39 lashes. Woo, you ever been whipped before? I have, but my mom. <laughs> Certainly not that many times. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. By who? People who were trying to stop him, right? Once I was stoned. That's fun. <laughs> three times I was shipwrecked. He continues, once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers, rivers and robbers. Danger from, watch this, he continues. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from, from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. Why? Because he's trying to get the message out. And I've been hungry and thirsty and have been often without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And then he adds, and plus on top of all of this, I have the care for all of these churches that I started. 
And Paul would start a church and get it going, and then he'd start another church and go to another area, start a church, go to another area, start a church. He was utterly obsessed, and he could not be stopped. I, w- I, would, like to, I would like to suggest today that if you want to become the type of person who <clears throat> gets back up after life knocks you down, you have to be obsessed about something. Because if you're not, and you get knocked down, what's the point of getting back up? What's the, what's the reason? There's no purpose. There's no motivation. I might as well stay down here because there's nothing really exciting to get up for. But Paul lived the exact opposite. He got knocked down. He's like, I have to get back up because if I don't get back up, I won't be able to tell people about the wonderful grace of God. In fact, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul sort of gives us his life mission statement. He says this. But if my, he says, my life is, with, uh, is, is worth nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. And what work is that? The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's why he got back up every single time he got knocked down. Because he knew he had a calling on his life. And if he didn't get back up, people would not hear the good news of Jesus Christ. You have got to be a little bit obsessed if you want to become the type of person that gets back up. Do you think Rocky was obsessed? He was completely and utterly focused on beating the opponent in the ring. Four questions for you as we wrap up. Number one, will you take responsibility? Will you stop pointing the finger in your life and telling a story that's truish, 90%, and leaving out the 10% about what you have to do about it? Will you own it? Number two, will you get a coach? Will you stop trying to do this thing by yourself? Will you connect with other people to build resilience? Number three, will you get in shape? Will you put the work in on your, at the soul level in your life? And number four, will you be a little bit obsessed? Will you get utterly focused on what God has called you to do? That's what, those are some things that I saw in the movie Rocky. Those are some things that I believe helps a person to become per, uh, the type of person who perseveres and does not throw in the towel. Remember, the temptation in life when we face troubles, when we face trials and difficulties, is say, you know what? I think I'm just going to give up. How about we put that down and we decide to take ownership. We decide to get other people around us. We decide to put the work in at the soul level and we decide to be obsessed. You know, the Apostle Paul said, as I just quoted in Acts 20, 24, he said, I consider my life worth nothing or useless unless I finish the work that Christ has given me. And then he tells us what the work is, just, just to look back at it one more time. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Can I tell you something? I've never been, you know, shipwrecked. I've never been whipped five times, uh, 39 times each time. Never happened to me. I've never been hit with sticks. I've never been stoned at least with rocks. <laughs> I've never had, yeah. <laughs> right? Some of you are like, yeah, it's true. True about me too. <laughs> I've not, lots of those things that Paul went through, I never went through. I didn't have to pay the price. That, never had, you know, a night and a day drift at sea. Never happened to me. Never, I don't go in the ocean because guess what's in the ocean? Sharks. So I stay out of the ocean. You know what I'm saying? It's just lots of those things have never happened to me. Maybe they will in the future, but they, they, prob- they probably won't. But I still feel like the calling on my life and really the calling on every believer's life is to, do, is to share the good news of the grace of God. 
And if I don't do that, I feel like I'm not fulfilling my purpose. So let me share with you really quick what the good news is. The good news is this. Well, the good news actually start with, starts with bad news, doesn't it? The bad news is that every single one of us have broken God's laws. And where, where did that come from? Adam and Eve. It was just passed on to us, their rebellious spirit, their disobedient spirit, passed on to their kids, their kids, their kids, passed on to you. That's why your kids are the way they are. And that spirit, that, that rebellious spirit, that simple spirit, has got to be dealt with. See, the, Jesus said, and God said in the word, through the word of God that the penalty of that rebellious spirit or that sin is separation from God. God just doesn't sweep it under the rug. He says, no, there's a penalty for that. A broken relationship with me. That's the bad news. Eternal separation from God because of sin. The good news is that, guess what? You don't have to spend eternity apart from God. You don't have to pay that penalty. The good news is that Jesus came to die on the cross to pay that penalty on your behalf. That's the good news right there. Jesus didn't come to set up Christianity. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't come to set up a religion. Look what we've done with Christianity. How many denominations are there? It's ridiculous. That's what happens when man gets involved. Jesus didn't come to set up Christianity and Baptist churches and these types of churches and all different types of churches. No, no, no. That's a, that's a mess. Jesus came so that you could be in a relationship with God. That's what he came for. He came to pay the penalty for your sin so that all of the guilt and all the shame can be wiped away so that you and God can be reunited in a relationship. That's what he came for. That's the good news of the grace of God. Grace simply means you get what you don't deserve. You get forgiveness. You get a relationship with Christ. Some of you need to step into that today. Maybe you're watching online and you never received the grace of God. Right now, maybe the time is right. Maybe you're here present with us. Step into this. Step into the grace of God and ask Christ to wash away all your sin. Accept his gift of grace on the cross. Say, how do I do that? You just reach out in faith and say a simple prayer. And you tell him that you put your trust in him for the forgiveness of sins. If you feel led to do that right now, I invite you to close your eyes and bow your head. This very special holy moment. No one moving around. No one leaving. Open your heart and trust in Christ. Say this to him right now. Jesus, I don't have all the answers. I don't know all that there is to know. I still have a lot of questions. But today I heard the good news about your wonderful grace. I reach out to you today with the faith that I have, undeveloped as it is, and I put my trust in you. I believe you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I believe you died in my place so that I could be forgiven, washed, and cleansed. Be my Savior today. And help me from this day forward to follow you, to obey you, to adore you, to love you, to model you, to live my life as you lived yours. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, first of all, we want to give God praise for what he's done in your life. Amen. Don't we, guys? Awesome. Very important action step right here. We as a church believe with all of our heart that as we take God's word into our mind and into our hearts, we are transformed. 
His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So we're passionate about this. When a person places their faith in Christ, we want you to have a Bible. Does everybody have a Bible? There's one at home somewhere in the bookshelf, a lot of dust on it. Not that one, this one right here, okay? This is a a special Bible that we order for you. It's broken down into little five-minute readings that you can go through so it's not overwhelming. It literally takes about five minutes to read through these passages every day. We believe that as you do that over time, there's a cumulative effect that God begins to speak to you and shape you and mold you and teach you how to live your life as Jesus lived his here on earth. So there's tables back here to my left and to my right. If you prayed that prayer, go grab one of those Bibles. If, uh, if you're already a Christian, go buy one. How about that? Don't take a free one. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Hey, next week is Father's Day. You guys excited about that? Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do next week for you dads. Um, we're going to talk about Braveheart. Of course we're going to talk about Braveheart. It's Father's Day. So come with your faces painted, your kilts on. Um, we're going to be throwing rocks out in the parking lot. You remember how they threw the rocks? No? Remember? No, we won't do that. But we are going to have some fun stuff in the parking lot for you and some donuts and some, some basketball hoops. So next weekend is Father's Day. We're going to talk about Braveheart. You're not going to want to miss it. Bring your friends. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to look into some, to have some fun, first of all, look into some movies that, that we all love and have, we've seen, most of us have seen, and to draw some truth from those movies and apply it to our life. Help us to become the type of people like Rocky who just would not give up in the face of difficulty. Help us to take that responsibility, to get a coach, to put in the work, and to be obsessed. And God, I know that if we take that approach to life, we will accomplish what you have called us to accomplish in this life. And we'll give you all the glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. See you next week. Hey, last one more thing, ladies. Braveheart was a love story, so we're not going to leave you out. We're not going to leave you out. God bless you. See you later.